You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Let me begin. I remember like it was yesterday. I was in Arizona in the Sonoran Desert. I was lying on a big flat rock. I shiver in it. It was dark. It was cold. But I didn't feel the cold at all. Because I was full of rage. I was full of anger. I was going to have my revenge. Laid out in front of me on this rock was my seven millimeter Magnum highly modified sniper rifle. I was waiting for the sun to come up, for my target to appear. I'd rehearsed this in my mind for weeks, every minute detail. It was gonna be my final act. I was gonna have my revenge. Before I go any further, I wanna pray. Father God, here I, here I am standing before these people. Use me, Lord, for your glory. Help me, Lord, to say what I need to say. Help me to not cuss. <laughs> Help me to have the impact There are people here who need to hear this story, not for my edification, not for my glory, but to glorify you. Amen. Amen. First of all, let me thank Pastor Jurgen and Leanne for the privilege of speaking to this great family of believers and for the leadership of John and Becky that this church has. I didn't, ask, I didn't ask for this opportunity. In fact, I'd rather not be doing this at all. But I was minding my own business one day and beautiful sunny San Diego day and suddenly my phone started making noise and it was Pastor Becky. And she said, Glenn, would you be willing to church or to speak at a week in church and tell your story? And I said, let me think about that for a moment. About one second passed, and I said, no. <laughs> Hell no. Why would I want to do that? I spent the last decade trying to forget most of that portion of my life. I was not interested in reliving it. But how many of you know that Pastor Becky can be very persuasive? You gotta feel sorry for John, huh? I know there's a lot of veterans in this, in this room, in this church. And I'm sure many of you have paid a lot greater price than I have 
A lot of you sacrificed a lot more than I did, I'm sure. Some of you probably have mental problems and PTSD. Some of you had wounds. Some of you lost limbs. And we all know people who were deployed and never came back, whose children will know, know what it was like to have a father or, or mother in their life, whose spouse will never feel the embrace of their husband. I never wore a military uniform, but I want you to know that I am a patriot. I am totally and unapologetically pro-American, pro-Constitution, pro-life, pro-gun, pro-energy, pro-independent, pro-police, pro-military, and pro-freedom of worship when and wherever I please. My children would ask me sometimes, Dad, were you ever afraid? And I'm sure I was many times, but I had gone through a lot of training and learned a lot of skills. I never really had any interest in dying for my country, but I was certainly willing to help other people die for theirs if they so choose. <laughs> Church, because we have been silent and tolerant for so long, we now have a generation that weren't taught our history, our system of economics, what makes America exceptional. They haven't served their country in any way. They've been taught liberalism and think that socialism and fascism is the solution for our problems. All you got to do is look around at any country who's ever adopted that form of government and see the failures there. They want to tear down our monuments, disrespect our flag, politicize our national sports, burn down businesses and murder people who disagree with their ideology. Church, we can be silent no more. One thing I love about Awakened Church is we have leadership here who have a voice, who use that voice. Many Americans have never even read our Constitution. They don't even know that the first 10 amendments were there to protect them from the government. We have elected officials who think they are royalty, that we are there to serve them. They forget that they are there to serve us, the people. They are not to control us, tell us how to live. They are there to protect our rights, yes. not to take them away. Time really doesn't permit me to go into the details and explain the process that I went through to become a Secret Service agent. But it is a good story, and I'll have to share it sometime. <laughs> 
The Bible says in James 1.8 that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That he's like a wave in the ocean tossed about by the wind and that God will not hear and answer his prayers. Unfortunately, I was that double-minded man for many years. After five years working for the agency, we had a president that meet in this room weren't even born when he was alive. His name was Ronald Reagan. I was privileged to know him personally. He was shot, almost died in his first term of office by a lone assassin and during his recovery, he decided that that wasn't gonna happen again on his watch. So he authorized the formation of a secret group of agents. You'll never be able to read about them. They They don't exist, they never existed. But he authorized the approval of them. The purpose was to after intelligence agencies had identified people who were in the process of carrying out deadly acts of violence against Americans, these teams were to go neutralize these people before they had a chance to carry out their activity. Three elite teams were put together, four men each, they were, quote, voluntary secret service agents. (laughs) In addition to the basic training that we all received, we spent weeks training with Navy SEAL teams, the U.S. Coast Guard, Army Delta. In addition to a bunch of civilian organizations learning how to utilize special weapons and deadly hand-to-hand combat. My go-to scripture during that time in my life was Psalms 144.1, which says, Bless the Lord, my strength, who taught my hands how to fight, who taught my fingers how to do battle. And so we followed orders, and we carried out our assignments. And sometimes we did unspeakable, violent things. But Americans should never forget that while you sleep peacefully in your beds at night, walk on the beach with your children, surf in our oceans, travel from place to place, conduct business, barbecue with your friends, It's all because there are violent men and women who are willing to do unspeakable things that make your freedom possible. Matthew says, the kingdom of God is violent and the violent must take it by force. I was a member of Team One, and that's about all you need to know about that. (laughs) 
After 25 years, I was tired, broken. I was hard, calloused, skeptical, critical. I'd served five different administrations. I was no longer that happy-go-lucky, fun-loving guy that my beautiful wife married when she was 18 years old. There was no PTSD therapy at that time. After each assignment and each mission was complete, conversation with my handler went like this. It's done. Any collateral damage? No. Any loose ends? No. Good. Your country thanks you. Click. I had relocated my family seven times. My children, Tessa and Dustin, had been in nine different school districts before they even graduated. I'd had seven surgeries to fix my on-the-job injuries. I'd missed most of my children's birthdays, my anniversaries. I wasn't there for their school plays, their dance recitals, their gymnastics performances. I was absent for the track meets the basketball games. And one of my saddest memories, and I hate to even tell this story, that I'd been gone for about 30 days on an assignment. And I was flying back into Washington National Airport. It was late, but Mick wanted to come to the airport and meet me and bring the children. And as I came off the airplane, walked into the terminal, there was my beautiful wife holding our son. And I remember there was my beautiful daughter, Tessa, four years old. I can still picture her wearing this blue denim jumpsuit and her beautiful blonde hair down to her shoulders. And I smiled, and I got down on my knees, and I stretched out my hands, and I called to her, Tessa. And I thought she'd come running into my arms, but instead she turned her face away. She held on to her mother's leg. She was afraid of the man the stranger, that was her father, didn't know who he was. Right there's the real hero in our family, Mick. She's the one that made the sacrifices. She's the one who paid the bills took our kids to school, made sure they were educated, knew who their teachers were, 
took them to church, taught them morality, respect, and told them that their daddy loved them even though he was gone. A few years ago, my grown kids came to me and they said, Dad, do you even keep a journal? And I said, no. And they said, well, you're going to be old and senile soon. <laughs> so before that happens, could you like write some stories? Maybe even write a book and tell us who our dad was when we were growing up? Because you were gone a lot. And when you were home, you didn't tell us anything about where you'd been or what you were doing. And so I did. After about five years of them bugging me about it, I finally did <laughs> write a manuscript, published it. The editor took out about 150 pages, said, you can't say that. You can't tell that story. You can't mention that. So the final version was this book, A Double-Minded Man. I'm not here to promote the book I wrote. I didn't write it for economic reasons. I wrote it for my children and my family. Gave it to a few close friends. It's not for sale in the lobby. If you want it bad enough, it's available on Amazon.com, but I'm warning you, it's R-rated. <laughs> I see my son-in-law, Charles, sitting down here. You all know him as the big, tough career Marine. And he is Major Fuller. I remember him wanting to marry my daughter, driving over to Tucson, Arizona, where we were living at the time. Charles is very analytical and methodical. <laughs> he showed up with these yellow stickums all stuck together, about 12 inches long. He had his script all written out. He was going to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage and so I sat there listening to his little speech <laughs> and when he was done Mick said well aren't you going to say anything and I said yeah and I stuck my finger out at Charles <laughs> and I said I love my daughter very much if you ever do anything to harm her, I'll dismember your body and bury it in the desert, and they will never find you. That's still true, by the way, Charles. So after 25 years of following orders and 
giving orders. I was now the agent in charge of all of southern Arizona and the state of Nora, uh, Sonora, Mexico for the criminal division. But I reported to a supervisor who outranked me in the Phoenix area and he decided that I was after his job even though I just wanted to finish out my career and move on with my life. But he was convinced that I wanted his position. And so he accused me of all kinds of unlawful criminal activities, violations of Secret Service policy, sent reports to Washington, D.C. headquarters, asked that I be removed after all I had done for the Secret Service. They sent out inspectors, followed me around for a week, interviewed people all over our community to see if any of these accusations were true. None of them were, none of them were true, and, and their reports indicated that, but they decided that I couldn't remain there any longer, that I had to be moved somewhere else. So they sent me to the Los Angeles field office to investigate counterfeiting and organized crime involving the Russian mafia. For 11 months, I was gone again. And while I was gone, I became bitter. I became angry. I wanted revenge. I wanted revenge against the man who had taken me away from my family again for 11 months. And so I planned what I was going to do, how I was going to have that revenge. And so I found myself shivering on a big flat rock in Scottsdale, Arizona, after driving 400 miles through the dark of night to get there. And as I prepared my sniper rifle, I waited, but I wasn't cold. Even though it gets cold in the desert at night, I wasn't cold because I was full of the heat of revenge and anger and hatred. And pretty soon the sun came up and began to warm me. And right on schedule, he came out the back door of his estate wearing his robe and carrying a glass of Jack Daniel's whiskey that he needed every day to get himself going because he was a hopeless alcoholic. Now I watched him as he crossed around the pool, walked across the cool decking, took off his robe, stepped into the hot tub. His back was to me. Inside, I wanted him to know 
what was about to happen to him. And I wanted him to know who was going to do it to him. But I didn't have that privilege. And so I prepared my rifle. And I put the crosshairs of the scope on the back of his head. And then I took off my gloves because I wanted to feel the cold steel against my forefinger as I pulled the trigger. And as I was taking a deep breath and starting to slowly exhale and put the pressure on the trigger, I sensed movement and I looked and there was his 11-year-old daughter coming out the door of the house asking her daddy if she could join him in the hot tub. And I thought, my God, can't anything go right here? (laughs) And I thought about not going forward, but I thought, no. I've waited too long for this moment. But I thought of the image that it would make on this little 11-year-old girl watching her daddy's head explode in front of her eyes and having that vision in her head from that day forward. But I decided I didn't care. I was going to finish what I had started. I was going to have my revenge So again, I put the crosshairs on his head, took a deep breath and began to exhale. And as I was putting pressure on the trigger, I heard a voice in my head say, stop, Glenn, what are you doing? And I looked around and I thought, what was... Who is that? And so I, I ignored it. I went back to finish this. And again I heard, Stop, Glenn, what are you doing? And suddenly my eyes filled with tears and I couldn't see anymore. And pretty soon, tears began to run down my cheeks and drip off my chin. And I picked up my rifle, my gear, and I walked back to my car. A thousand things were going through my mind. And I sat in my car, and I wept. And I wept. And I repented. And I asked God to forgive me, to take away the bitterness, take away the anger, take away the hurt, the unforgiveness, and to restore my soul. And as I sat there crying like a baby, I felt the warmth of his love 
overshadow me, come over my body, and he healed me and cleansed me. Life was good for a few years. I became the father and the husband that I wanted to be. I started a business. I turned away from that life and I tried to forget it all. But then in September 11th, 2001, 19 radicalized Muslims crashed airlines into our buildings, our World Trade Centers, our Pentagon, and the farmer's field full of innocent American passengers. These weren't hyphenated Americans. They weren't African Americans, Asian Americans, Mexican Americans. They were Americans. And then the phone rang, and I saw it was from area code 202. And I knew they were calling. I ignored it for days, but it kept ringing. And pretty soon, I picked it up, and I heard the voice of my former handler. It's a voice I never wanted to hear again. But he gave me a speech about God country, honor, duty, patriotism. And he said, if not you, who? And finally I said, here am I, send me. And so over the next seven years, every now and then, out of nowhere, I had received this assignment. And after each assignment, the conversation was, it's done. Any collateral damage? No. Any loose ends? No. Good. Your country thanks you. I'm out of time. I have a lot more I could share. But you need to know I didn't share this, any of this for my benefit. I know that there's some of you in this room, just like me, who are carrying around baggage from your past, who've listened to the devil talk to you and remind you of all the evil things you've done in your life that you can't be forgiven for. And I'm here to tell you that's a lie. And as I turn this back over to the service leader, if you got that going on in your life, if you've got unforgiveness, if you've got anger, revenge, hatred, 
If you're given the opportunity, you need to come down here and get healed from that. He, he did it for me. He can do it for you. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.